0: back to Happy Porch Radio, the podcast for ambitious agency leaders. This season is all about Umbraco, the friendly CMS. Join your host, Barry O'Kane, as he talks to web agency leaders and Umbraco experts about the challenges and opportunities that a specific technology like Umbraco brings to our agencies.
1: Welcome back to Happy Porch Radio season two. In this episode, I talk to Theo who co-founded an agency near Oxford in England called GrowCreate. Theo shares a little about his background and how and why GrowCreate became Umbraco specialists and gold partners. We then chat about the open-source Umbraco package they have created, called Pipeline, and touch on the benefits and challenges of creating a product within a service-focused agency. However, the bulk of the conversation is about how an agency can sell Umbraco to clients, in particular to larger businesses and enterprise. A few years ago, Theo published a detailed article and presented at a couple of conferences about a framework that he has for how to promote and sell Umbraco as part of your agency services. So I'm delighted to have Theo on the show to talk about his experiences, this framework, and generally share his expertise with us. Links and show notes are on happyportradio.com, Season 2, Episode 2. So if you agree or disagree with Theo's approach or have any other thoughts to add, please drop by and leave a comment. Also, keep listening at the end to hear a special announcement. So, to start us off, why don't you introduce yourself and tell me a little bit about yourself and the agency.
0: So, my name is Theo Paraskevopoulos. I'm now Chief Executive here at GrowCreate. We are a digital agency just outside Oxford. We are a gold partner and umbrella Specialist, and we have been for a number of years now. So my background before, this was uh, first of all with design and then with technology and I was a uh, technical director here for a number of years. So it's first so of I'm kind of uh, looking after the technical side of the operation over here and increasingly this is I'm kind of looking after things like partnerships and strategic moves and the rest of it. Now the agency has been around, so Grow Create has been around since uh, 2012 when I founded uh, the company with uh, Adam Weston, one of my really old Buddies from college, and that's a completely separate story. I'm happy to tell everyone. But personally, I discovered Umbraco two years earlier. That was 2010 when I was uh, kind of freelancing, consulting, and uh, I needed a CMS to offer myself. I started getting involved, and back then, in the days of XSLT and really clunky APIs and interfaces, and it was fun as it was. But obviously, got more and more fun after that. Two years later, when we founded the agency, we kind of started using umbraco more and more i got certified as a, as an umbraco developer i think it was 2013 and i actually did my certification on v5 so that's a, a very interesting time of uh, an umbraco so that was you know uh, i think i had to learn quite a lot of stuff on my own by myself at that, at that point now a few years went by after that and in 2014 uh, we became goal partners That was a very good move for us and in many ways it was not just about um, the status and the uh, being recognized uh, as umbraco specialists but it was also about giving back to the umbraco project what i was going to say i guess another significant milestone for us was maybe last year in 2016 i did a lot of umbraco conferences i did the entire thing so adam and i went over to uh, San Diego for the U.S. Fest and the Guard and London and, and the Netherlands and there was a lot of uh, updates that we absorbed about uh, Umbraco as an ecosystem as a business. Personally for me it was a year where uh, we got this plug in the CRM package for Umbraco pipeline and I made that open source and now that has kind of evolved and we're hoping to do lots of exciting things with that as well.
1: One of the things I wanted to touch on is pipeline, but just before we get to that, so I'm interested in the story there just quickly in terms of you discovered Umbraco yourself, you were developing it and so on. How fundamental to that this early days of the agency was Umbraco the tool?
0: We didn't think that it was going to be as important as it turned out to be. Um, so when we first started, our idea of what a creative digital agency was going to be focused very much on that first part of the creative part. Adam, who is the creative director, and even myself, who came from originally from a design background, we thought that the focus of the agency was very much going to be on the creative. And then, to the extent that people cared, we were going to talk about technologies. And at the time, there was a big focus on the client-side technology, so there was a lot of talk about and back then we still kind of called you know Ajax and and the rest of it, but eventually over time we kind of realized that uh, people did care about the tool that they were that they were going to use. So at first we were you know we would kind of consider even taking on jobs with other CMSs, but eventually we kind of filtered them out and we focused on doing on uh, doing on Bravo. I, I think it was a process, so it did take a good maybe a couple of years until we decided that this was going to be our platform, we're going to be exclusively focused on, uh, on Umbrako.
1: And it's interesting that you say there that people did care about the tool. Because obviously, as a client engaging an agency or a designer or whatever, they're looking for an end result. They're looking for something to help their business. But it's interesting you say that the tool matters. Now, do you say that because from their point of view, maybe they have a preconception or, or do they come in with a particular requirements or this tool? Or are you saying that because they're looking for the right tool to meet their requirements?
0: Both, I think. I think it has to be both. We've come across situations where people already had an Umbraco website and they were pretty happy to carry on uh, with Umbraco, maybe have an upgrade or something, or they were changing uh, uh, agencies but wanted to kind of keep the same website. We came across situations where there has been movement of stuff, so a new marketing person moves into a um, company, they want a new website, they were happy with the Umbraco website that they had in the previous job, so when they go around looking for an agency, they have a bias, a favorable bias towards uh, Umbraco. In other cases, in bigger projects, and as we kind of approach more the, the enterprise scale of things, that's when technical requirements matter. So that's when maybe there was from IT, from the IT department, there was a strong preference towards .NET CMSs, and then even so towards Umbraco, maybe because they were convinced of its uh, flexibility, ease of integration, et cetera. So it has to be a mixture of both.
1: You did an excellent talk about talking about the different stakeholders and the different people involved in, in making those kinds of decisions. But before we jump into the meat of that, what's the story behind Pipeline, the package, the the, the CRM package that you created?
0: Pipeline started probably about uh, just under two years ago, and it started uh, like a lot of these things start as a little experiment. So that was the time when I already had a good knowledge of Angular and how the APIs of Umbraco work. And I needed a little project to actually do a deep dive into creating more robust products and uh, packages for Umbraco. So I basically started with just putting together a little address book, and that kind of expanded out. Now, I had been using CRMs and actually built... A CRM many many years ago that was more than 10 years ago so before grow create so I already was aware of the features and the the feel if you like of a, of a CRM package so the project took a little life of its own and then you know it went from a little experiment to a little plugin that we use on our own website and we connected that up to forms and we started managing our own pipeline with that and then I decided, okay, this is a good idea. We don't have a CRM for uh, a CRM plugin for Bracco. Let's see what else we can do with it. So that grew and grew, and it um, found some, um, got some traction, which was uh, very exciting for me. So people actually were interested in this. So then, maybe a year ago, I started, when I was thinking about the roadmap of the product, I kind of thought let's see if we can engage the community in a profitable way. Let's see if we can actually make enough money uh, out of this in order to finance its development. Um, And that proved to be harder than I thought. So that was the first time because we're an agency here. We just specialize in implementation. We don't really have before pipeline any uh, commercial packages. That proved to be more difficult than I thought. So although I had lots of installs, I did not have as many interest in a commercial aspect of the package as I thought. So to cut the long story short, I decided at Gold Garden last year, I decided, I announced that I was going to make it open source. I took a few days last summer to package it up if you like it and it went open source towards the end of the summer. So now everybody can go to GitHub and download it and extend it and look at the source. And it's still running strong and we've kind of implemented, uh, we've um, extended it quite nicely. But, and I'll come back again later if you want to, um, we also decided to use the CRM aspect, the open source aspect, as the base interface for bigger things. So now we started doing lots and lots of things with personalization and things with uh, automation and plugging newsletters and all that kind of stuff. But that we're keeping for ourselves. This is a commercial pipeline, but the CRM is going to remain open source and we we will continue building that.
1: I find that the story there very familiar for myself, but also very interesting. and I think a common thing theme within agencies where you're you know the the agency is about delivering the service and the whatever the expertise is to clients. but also there's a desire and an interest in some for different reasons to innovate and do internal projects and side projects within the agency. And so it's really interesting to me that you've managed to build and, and make that work, which I think a lot of agencies find challenging.
0: It was challenging, don't get me wrong uh, you know, even finding time for things like that. You know, you got, you know, every agency is a busy environment that there is client work to be done and that there's the running of an agency and uh, and everything else. So even finding time was uh, was a challenge. But I suppose one of the key aspects here, and you, um, you just touched on that, was that pipeline as a project became an outlet. So it became a project that i wanted and the other developers here when they had a chance they really were looking forward to working on because it didn't have the client pressures at the same time we took care to keep it open so we have one of our hack days over here one of my developers wanted to look into machine learning for example and then pipeline became that Platform where you want to try something new, sure, see how you can plug it into pipeline. You know, it just became that kind of ready made test that you do fun and cool things.
1: Which is a really interesting and amazing vehicle for innovation and learning and to develop your team, and that feeds back into the agencies. So then to just shift topics back a little bit one of the reasons that i really wanted to talk to you was because i've seen the a video of a talk you did in 2015 and, a, and, a, and an article i think you followed up on how to sell on before we started recording we were just saying 2015 is a little while ago and the, everything's changed and bracco is getting stronger and, and 2 years is quite a long time in the in the in this industry let's start from right from the beginning of that topic like selling on and why that's worth even talking about, you know, why it can be challenging and why we want to think about that as a thing in itself.
0: That, the, what you just said, the reason for getting into the mindset of uh, selling umbraco and obviously this is a bit of a tongue-in-cheek title because it's an open source product, it doesn't have a license, but selling in the sense of convincing, I suppose, is, uh, is what, I'm, what I was talking about. And the idea was that... A lot of developers that I know, and, I, and in that I'm not just talking about freelance or individual developers, I'm talking about development agencies, they put up a certain amount of resistance against the idea of selling something. So it would be, oh, we're experts in building stuff, we can design stuff, we can build stuff, but when it comes to the sales side of things, it's not something that we like to do. Uh, and from my point of view, I saw that, and uh, I've been in sales in pre-sales in previous roles before Grow Create for, for a while. So I was quite comfortable with that world. And I tried to deconstruct that. I tried to see how can we get some practical lessons, some, uh, you know, maybe some fun animations and some kind of like uh, uh, visualizations on how you can break down that difficulty of, of convincing And this is what uh, led to the the couple of talks that I did a couple of years ago and then ultimately to the the article. But the idea was to get as many developers as possible convincing and selling Umbraco because the more that we as developers can convince that Umbraco is a tool to go for, the more clients you have, the more work for us, the more developers there are, the more people in conferences, the more knowledge exchange. It's good for everyone. It just creates that virtual circle. We do need developers to go out and do the the selling as well, to do the convincing.
1: And I think that's an interesting observation to me. Umbraco's real strength is the developer community. And as you say, the people who are most often most passionate about um, Umbraco are the developers and content editors, the people who um, get to use it and get into the guts of it on a daily basis. So it's interesting you say there about, you know, the developers and the existing strength of the community needing to understand how to sell it and and present it to the outside world. So I'm a developer. I really enjoy. I love Umbraco. But I want to understand how to sell it, how to explain it to a client or potential clients.
0: First step was to always understand who you're talking to. And I think that the uh, most important part of the talk was a bit when we we're talking about meeting the audience and the different types of personalities and roles that are involved when, uh, when you are in a pitch. Now, this touches is obviously uh, a lot of business development roles. who are trying to sell the agency, trying to sell the, uh, the service. But in many cases, developers also come along. You're faced with a lot of questions. Some of them are technical, and some of them are not. But there was the idea was to kind of meet the audience to, uh, to understand what are the motivations. And there were different people in there. There were people like the uh, the MD or the CEO, and they you know they have got certain needs. The head of IT might have got different needs. Project managers, content editors, different people get involved, and they all have got their um, their own needs in there. It's, it's it's important to understand, I suppose, and that that was one of the um, uh, key aspects of this. Uh, Thought process is that Umbro selling Umbraco, is, uh, is is essentially part of enterprise IT. It's you know it's business to business. It's, uh, you know, it's uh, selling a piece of software that another company is going to install and run. And in these situations, the people that will make the decision to buy or install the software are not the people that will use it. So although you do have roles like web designers and web developers and content editors and digital marketeers, all these in the size of the client, that will get to use the software, these people are not necessarily the ones that are going to make the decision. So whereas we might be thinking, well, it's a beautiful UX for the content editor, there is no restriction on the design, all these things. These are arguments that some people will hear but the more senior people will not necessarily focus on them. So they need to share some uh, different things. And that's the first thing to understand. Then after that, there's a series of thinking that has to do with convincing people and like putting down different arguments depending on who it is that you're talking to. So, for example, if in most cases you will find, or hopefully you will find, that the... Uh, head of IT would be very favorable towards Braco, maybe they have got existing .NET infrastructure and then they're looking for something that will be compatible so you want to pick them up, you want to give them as much ammunition as you can to help them uh, set the point. Similarly when it comes to you know you, you might find that in bigger organizations uh, senior marketing professionals might have a certain amount of resistance against Umbraco and .net, mostly because all their colleagues and a whole lot of their agencies that they are familiar with, they kind of work with things like Drupal and WordPress and things like that. They're familiar with these things. Um, so you need the kind of arguments that will, at the very least, neutralize them. At the very least, basically say, I understand that the uh, choice of CMS is a technical matter, therefore I'm happy to leave this decision to... Uh, to the technology department, uh, that kind of uh, that kind of thing. So you can get into tricky situations, but some of the common elements are uh, are almost always there. There's always somebody you need to convince, and there's always somebody who you need to help uh, fight your corner.
1: The key point that you made there throughout is that, that starting from understanding and them and their and talking about from their point of view and the things that are important to them that's something that I think really came across and I'm going to share the links to the if you don't mind the the links even though it's a little bit old now to the talks in 2015 because I think there's still a lot of value there thinking not just about the needs as in terms of if I'm putting together a response to a pitch or a proposal and I'm thinking okay they've asked for this they need this kind of thing and their website design and but also who's Behind that and the, their individual requirements, as you said, the developer all the way through to project managers and in marketing and the senior management. One of the uh, which I think is a really intelligent, and, and uh, I guess as you say, in enterprise sales, it's just exactly what you do. So you think about things coming from a different background or running a small agency. Just being able to actually think that through, I think, is really powerful.
0: It's just a useful framework. It's just a way that you know I found myself thinking. But I didn't you know, up until a couple of years ago. I hadn't transcribed it anywhere. So. You know, when you share the links, people will see kind of the the little illustrations and and stuff. And it's quite a useful little framework.
1: There's two other things that you touched on there, which I think are really fundamental or powerful. One is the is something that I think I'm always very aware of within agencies is you very often have a very few touch points and sometimes a really short time scale to respond to, particularly if you're doing competitive pitching or any of that kind of stuff. And you touched on a couple of things in the talk about how you maybe try and you know still think about the framework that you're talking about and thinking about framing things and getting the right content and, and message across, when you're faced with that kind of challenge
0: well i think that the idea is that you kind of is to use every opportunity every communication opportunity as a as a vehicle to make a point in some ways i suppose it's, it's about keeping on message if you like but uh, when you are talking to people and in different uh, scenarios you will be talking to different types of people is to kind of Make sure that every opportunity is used. I mean, you just said that you know, you don't get that many chances to talk to people, and we have been into pitches over here where you know we receive the call, and then in response to that, after a 10-minute call, we were supposed to put down a proposal and then go and present it, and we didn't know any of the roles all the way down to people you know arranging 10 calls before they even ask for a proposal. So there's you know there's all sorts in a, in a sales process. But the idea is to champion the product at every step and whenever possible if you do have your own material or any of the material that umbraco makes available to developers to use it and also to be aware of who you're talking to and what it is that they need yeah. so in many cases it would be whoever starts the conversation it is a good indication of the flavor of the page that's a good lesson that i learned so if it is IT that started the, the project you know, go full on on the technical side, give them all the tools that they need. If it's marketing, be aware that there will probably be other agencies, WordPress processes, whatever, buzzing around them. So you always need to keep beating up in Bravo in this. Uh, in this situation,
1: yeah, you use the word teach or explain, or use you and you take advantage of the few opportunities that often that you have. I think that's um, it's an important aspect. Or maybe this is something that varies pitch to pitch. But how much do you use on Bracco as the core of the proposals and pitches and the solutions that you're putting forward, versus how much do you maybe focus on things like creative or the marketing or the other parts that are probably making up part of that proposal?
0: It depends on the pitch, in the sense that how much Umbraco is in question, if you like. So if we know that it is only that Umbraco is a prerequisite, and to be honest with you, when you are uh when you are a call partner, you do get to hear mostly of websites that are either already in Umbraco or that need to be in Umbraco because people tend to come to the specialists when after they've made up their mind. So that's something we'll find out later. But if, if Umbraco is a prerequisite, then we tend to focus on other things. When we know that us and every other proposal are going to uh, be talking about Umbraco, then there is no point in binding on about that. But if we do have an inkling that Umbraco is, is a tool for, for making our case, because other agencies would come with, in our view, lesser tools, then we have got a big section in a proposal that is all about Umbraco and why it is a good fit for
1: your needs. Touching on the specialist thing and the advantages of being specialist, and, and all the way to gold partner, and you mentioned that at the start that that was a big positive or a big plus, a decision you made relatively early in your agency. Can you tell me a little bit about, or you know, the story of that's come about and the value you've seen from it?
0: The most important thing, and this is not just the marketing speak, although we keep talking about that in our website, in our in our, in our uh, meetings, in our pitches and everything, is about knowledge acceleration. Is when you all you do is one system, you get to be very good at that at using that system very, very quickly. If we were supporting three or four CMSs, then, you know, how the speed through which we would gain a certain amount of uh, expertise would be a lot slower. When you only get to Focus on one, you get really good really quickly. Uh, obviously, things like certifications and a call partnership and having a really close relationship with, uh, with Umbraco HQ all that helps. But we do find that being a specialist or being or being exclusive did help us be, uh, get a lot better at the system. actually it gives us both the authority to talk about it and the expertise to use it very uh, very, very well. Having said that, there is always a danger that you will become a little bit blind in the sense that when you know how to use one tool very, very well, you tend to use it for every single problem out there, whether it is the best tool for the job or not. So that is something that we are. Keenly aware, and over the space over the space of the last year, we also started to expand out into um, uh, into Episerver and to other complementary CMSs because of that reason. Because it's not for absolutely everyone, and that is a recognition that came fairly fairly late. Before that, having the space and to get really good at one product did give us a uh, an edge both in terms of our knowledge in house, but all, but also in commercial terms.
1: And do you think then that allowed you to grow to the sort of a level of maturity where now you're confident in being able to say, well, yeah, we can also do these other tools rather than at maybe at a smaller or an earlier stage where you maybe have felt a bit more sort of split focused, like you said there, you, the chance to become really good at one thing gives you that platform. Is that a fair statement?
0: That has to be a fair statement. Uh, the confidence that you mentioned earlier a, and the maturity is, a, uh, is definitely a thing. I suppose... Every agency goes through a journey. We started a conversation talking about how we didn't focus, we didn't think we were going to focus on the tools when we first started. And we're going to focus on softer things like the creative aspect of things and the, the relationship aspect of a, of a agency life. And then we kind of got very focused on a, on a tool with Braco. And then we decided or we discovered if you like, that maybe we became too focused. So maybe it's time to now spread our wings a little bit. Yeah, I think that the maturity does come from having gone down that journey for a number of years.
1: One of the things that I've heard a lot in the research and preparation for this podcast is agencies for whom Umbraco is a preferred solution, but they don't always get to use it even when they would like to. So in some cases, as you say, there maybe is a different tool that's a better fit for the client. In a situation where the agency is trying to use Umbraco more... What are the kinds of things do you think that they should be doing and thinking about in order to be able to use Umbraco more and and to grow that side of their business?
0: Getting to know the system really well. I don't think that there is a substitute for actually knowing what you're talking about. I went to meet a, a friendly agency that specializes in Drupal. In many ways they are our equivalent here but in the in the PHP world. We started digging in a little bit on that and it quickly became apparent to me that it crossed my line of comfort in the sense that i did not know what i was talking about so it would make me very uncomfortable to try to go into a pitch or project planning solution architecting all these things for a solution that i did not have the comfort that i understand what's going on under the hood so i think that there is definitely a case for specializing of Really getting to know the, the software, the system, being part of the community, going to the events, contributing to the events, it all helps immeasurably. And then, in the same way that uh, a lot of our peers have done, when it's time to expand out to a yeah, to a different solution, again, to look for the compatibility. So more than half of the agencies that you will talk to that, um, that specialize in Umbraco, they would also support some other .dotnet uh, system, be sidecore being EpiServer, our turn came, we kind of picked EpiServer, but there is that compatibility in place. And it is about the recognition that it is just not for everyone. Just to be, this is a lesson that I learned in the last year or so, this is nothing to do with the system itself, by the way. If anything, and I'm sure that EpiServer wouldn't like me saying that, I would say that, you know, the Umbraco is actually higher quality software than EpiServer is. And I say that as somebody who has looked under the hood. But it is not necessarily, it is just a completely different product. Uh, it's not just the quality of the software. It's not just the reach of the software. It's just different scope. Uh, and when we go back to talking about um, understanding the client and the types of roles that are being involved in making a decision, when you understand enterprise clients, you understand that there is, some clients for whom open source, Umbraco or otherwise, is just simply not an option. At that point is where the cutoff point is made for us. And to go back to your original question about using Umbraco as your preferred uh, solution, Umbraco will be a preferred solution. We know it really well. It is actually as easier to pick up and go, but it's, not, it's just not going to be for everyone.
1: Yeah that's a really good and valuable point as well about when you say not for everyone it's not necessarily about the tool it might be the environment or culture or some other factor or technical or otherwise yeah so you 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 put this framework together and it was 2015 2014 2015 and you put this framework together thinking about uh, selling embraco and has your thinking changed has your has that framework changed has your as the way you sell and and talk about embraco changed at all in the last 2 years
0: I think that the um, the fact that we're going to do this interview has permit to have a little think about how things have changed. And the, the, these things kind of change without actually thinking. It's, it's just you evolve from one cell situation to, uh, to the next. But I think that there is three different points, uh, very specifically, that have uh, moved on, that have evolved more than others. It, it, it moves slowly. So these are hard trends to pick up. But uh, here they go. So the first one that I picked was that... In every situation that where there was a successful sell, and by that I mean when we kind of managed to convince people to go with Umbraco, there was always an internal stakeholder that at least supported Umbraco. So it was never a case of, uh, if nobody knows Umbraco and they're just picking, uh, they're kind of having a beauty period of different CMSs, that didn't work. You always need somebody internally that has that will champion the cause. And on this... This, I'm, I'm painting a picture here where we need Braco HQ to help us out on this. So they need to set the scene. They need to kind of make sure that people know Braco, that they, there is a certain amount of trust. And then we as developers can go in and, uh, and close the sale. The second lesson was that sectors are different. And not just sectors, but also scope of companies. So in the talk, I focus a bit too much maybe on the types of people that work within organizations. But equally important is the scope of the organization. So uh, an SME has got a different scope than an NGO, which has a different scope to a government website, which has a different scope to a PLC or an enterprise client. And there's different ways that you that you talk to them. They have got different needs. So that cuts across roles. So basically... Put another way, a project manager that works for a government agency would have different needs, and they would be listening to different messages than the same project manager in a uh, in a corporate. The third point was really was about the uh, about about the corporates themselves, and this kind of draws back from my experience in uh, in enterprise uh, and B2B software. Uh, This has, has got to do with a general move of corporates outside or away from uh, development. They seem to price in development risk a lot higher than they used to. And one of the ways that you can see that is um, if you take a look at some of the competing systems in the enterprise side from uh, competing with the Braco, so things like Epicervice, Side or even Kentico uh, stuff, you go have a look at the websites. They all talk about integrated systems. They talk about all-in-ones and bringing things under one roof. And that seems to be a trend with corporates where they price up development risk, which means that they prefer a system to be integrated, even if it means that the constituent parts might not be the best. So I, uh, I said earlier about how I think in my professional opinion that Embrago might be a better CMS than EpiServer CMS, but as a product, when EpiServer does a whole lot of things in digital marketing and uh, e-commerce and so forth it serves a different need. So when you do not want to kind of think about integrating different bits too much because that is too much, of a, uh, too much of a development risk, then you might be here listening out for different messages. So enterprise needs have changed, and that is probably in response to wider industry trends. And these are the three points, really, that I think have moved on. So if I was doing the same talk again now, I would probably bring those three in. I would give them quite a lot of visibility.
1: To go quickly through them, that with that first point, so you say that all the time you have a champion internally who's helped to... Uh, so is that a case of the champion has existed in most cases or is that something that you can kind of create, You know, convert somebody who then becomes the, the champion in, internally?
0: It is very difficult to convert somebody if they don't already exist. Uh, there is a big exception here if there is an existing personal rapport or relationship. So if um, I mentioned earlier... If there's a, a client and they move jobs and they already they go to a new organization and you already know them, you have a rapport with them, then you can use them, if you like, you can leverage through them. And that, that happens a lot. That is a very typical scenario of a sales scenario for any for any agency. But unless that foundation exists, it is actually very difficult to do so. It's just the choice is too wide.
1: Would you go so far as to if you see a situation where you don't have that champion that you might not go ahead you know you might not put as much effort in or you might not put a pitch together would you go that far i would go that far yeah. and then to touch on the second point and you're talking about the sector and the and the scale of the type of work to me that's another opportunity for specialism as well
0: it absolutely is and uh, we know uh, of a lot of agencies that have gone down that route already, that they uh, a lot of them kind of are beginning to specialize in things like healthcare or membership organization, non-profits, things like that. We've uh, we've seen this quite a lot. It's not us. You know, we as GrowCreate are unlikely to be able to go down that uh, that route of hyper-specialization. We think that bringing in ideas from different sectors actually is is, is a very powerful argument. So, I have situations where I brought in knowledge from e-commerce into a financial services client and they really appreciated that they prior to talking to us they would not even be thinking in terms of conversions and they said that was a very very useful argument So we are are unlikely to go down that route, but that specialization is something that uh, as you said, uh, we've seen this quite a lot
1: As well as the sort of technical specialization we're talking about in terms of the tooling and so on and a vertical specialization, which is like you know, understanding the niche, but then this idea of the scale of the organization as well, which is really interesting to me because I haven't explicitly in the past thought about how that changes, allows you to learn and focus on the type of sales conversation. So that you were sort of implying that you change the way that you do the sales conversation and the types of conversations you have with the different people, as well as talking about what they actually want, but how you phrase that and who you speak to.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. So to give you an example here is a uh, when you're talking to uh, SMEs, for example, the ambition is a big key over here. So an SME might you know, might come to an agency looking for a simple brochure website. And at this point, from a technology point of view, any platform will do. We're not talking about any big, clever integrations. This is just a brochure website. But the kind of message that we're going to hear from systems like Mbrako is going to be that Yes, but the system Umbraco will grow with you when you actually go to your next level and you do have needs for integrations because you have grown so much. Then Umbraco will have your back, whereas other, primarily PHP-based systems, it is harder to do integrations, so they're not going to follow you in your growth path. That's just one of the uh, examples that we uh, that we follow sp- specifically for the size or scope of the uh, of the target client.
1: And is that a flip side of that? So you said there's a big advantage in the, what you do is that you have focus on the technology and then you have certain focuses, but you like the cross-pollination of different sectors and so on. Is the flip side of that the challenge that you are you know, having different types of conversations with different types of clients?
0: It is. It is. But I, uh, that in itself, I, I haven't found that to be particularly challenging, at least on, the, on a personal level. On a more uh, marketing, if you like, uh, so above the line uh, level, so the type of messages that you put on the web, so that could be uh, something that you know everybody thinks about. But on a personal level, I don't see that uh, that being much <clears throat> of a challenge.
1: And again, and in fact, the the variety might be a strength. And if you if you like growing and cross pollinating that you're describing, then it, that could be in a big, massive advantage. And then point three that you talked about where you've uh, the focus, the change of focus of the PLC, the corporate clients on, on the integrated tool, on the one tool. Now, the interesting point to me was you're saying that some of the individual components maybe aren't as good as the alternatives. And Umbraco have made the decision at the moment to sort of say, you know, we are a CMS and that's what we're good at and we're going to be great and using terms like the friendly CMS rather than an integrated platform. So do you think that's purely just a... A scale thing or is there a more subtle differentiation between the types of clients that are looking for you know to invest in a certain type of platform and and manage their risk in a different way
0: i think that scale plays a big part over here and whether the scope and the size of organization is a multi-department corporate uh, because i think that this is where a lot of corporates have been burned with their uh, development efforts and this is why I call it price up. This is why they put a premium on to pre-integrated solutions. This seems to be the trend that is coming in, and uh, the vendors of other CMSs are responding to that. How that affects Umbraco, um, as you said, and as Neil says, virtually every time he speaks, and I saw him speak four times last year, he speaks groopy. Umbraco will always be about the CMS. I think that the best thing, the best news about that, is that the CMS itself. And its architecture, its flexible architecture, means that for us as developers, it means that we can do lots and lots of good things with it. But it does make our life harder when it comes to selling Umbraco to corporates. Different agencies will have different solutions to that. I don't mind telling you that in a few weeks' time, hopefully... There's going to be some marketing activity from our part that is going to showcase how Pipeline, for example, will evolve into our solution to this issue. So we will try to use that commercial aspect of Pipeline I was talking about earlier as that integrated piece to be able to offer Umbraco into corporate clients that would not normally consider open source systems.
1: And I suspect there's a huge amount of potential for something like Pipeline to go in that direction.
0: That's what we're hoping as well. So, as I said, there's going to be some marketing activity, some activity coming out of corporate in the coming weeks. You know, it's it's all going to be made clear to everyone.
1: I was wondering why you think that type of organization is starting to look at the sort of all-in-one integrated, pre-integrated solution. And you mentioned that was maybe because they've had some bad experiences of the more. And you think that's purely the reason?
0: The big reason, the umbrella reason, is that PLCs are very, very risk-conscious. Not risk-averse necessarily, that's that's depending on the organization, but they are risk-conscious. I've worked as a consultant uh, and and as a software vendor, not CMS, but different to uh, to corporate for many years, and I do know that the thing that they're mostly scared of is, is creating weak links in their operations. So if they're going to go with an experimental product that has got two or three people running it and maybe it's only been around for two or three years, they're going to see this as a risk because if their entire operation relies on that bit, then that becomes the weakest link. And this is what they think of things like open source CMSs, which typically are supported or implemented by smaller, in corporate terms, agencies, uh, and similarly with a lot of these, uh, these tools. So imagine it this way. If the entire digital marketing operation of a corporate which requires fifteen, twenty different components, if they picked one little component, say in automation, in marketing automation, and they picked a tiny little supplier that had a genius little product, and then in this entire line of uh, operation, they failed for some reason. For some reason, it could be any reason that a small company can, uh, can fail, then their entire strategy, their entire operation is compromised. And this is probably one of the reasons why they price in, they prefer to go with integrated solutions. They know that they have got the financial might to actually demand a lot of customization and a lot of work to be done uh, in the implementation stage. So they tend to select a smaller number of suppliers and go really deep into the products. It's just a different way of thinking than uh, smaller companies which are happy to just cherry pick The best of suppliers probably because their operation is smaller but also because they are more nimble they can also adapt so if one of these components fails for some reason they just switch it to another one and it's less less of an issue
1: yeah i was about to make that observation about the agility or nimbleness of the company as well that being a big you can see how that will be a big impact Thank you so much for all of that. I think there's a huge amount of value in the thoughts and information and frameworks and things that you've shared there. So I really appreciate that. Absolutely. It's been my pleasure. Final question. Anybody who's listening, where do they go to find out more about yourself and about GrowCreate?
0: Definitely go to our website at growcreate.co.uk or growcreate.de if they are in Germany. And uh, as for me, uh, go and find me on Twitter. I am at Theotron. Come and find me in one of the upcoming UmbraCo events. I'm always there.
1: (laughs) being nails is (laughs) groupie absolutely brilliant thank you so much i'll share all those links in the post with the podcast thanks so much thank you barry you can find out how to connect with grow create and with theo on the show notes at happyporchradio.com. now just before we finish a quick announcement As part of the preparation for the series, we ran a survey entitled "Embraco in Business. I'll link to the results of that survey in the show notes, by the way. And you told us that selling Umbraco was one of the biggest challenges, one of the biggest agency challenges. And so we'll dig further that into coming episodes. However, we also wanted to cover that issue in more detail by giving you an opportunity to get directly involved in the conversation. And so I am hosting our first Happy Porch Hot Seat live webinar on April the 26th. I'll be joined by both Theo and by Umbraco HQ's chief friend maker and recovering agency sales director, Anders, to talk about all things Umbraco selling. We'll have a short panel discussion and then a live Q&A session where you can get all the answers to your burning questions. To find out more and to register, go to happyporchradio.com slash hot seat. Thanks for listening.